Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, church. Good to see everyone. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Pretty good. Did you eat a lot of food? Are you here repenting right now? Or are you like, I've had enough? Enough turkey, enough ham to last me at least three more weeks. (laughs) Let's do it again. Let's do it all over again. Uh, Your Thanksgiving holidays are kind of, especially uh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, tend to be a sort of a marker. I don't know if you've noticed in your life, but there, I know in my life, there are times and uh, when these they kind of put an exclamation point maybe on some beautiful moments, but then sometimes not so beautiful moments. And, uh, and so I, this, you know, this Thanksgiving uh, was the first Thanksgiving without my dad. And uh, when we were over at his house, and I was sitting in his throne, and that's where he held court all these years, where me and my brothers were raised and... Um, you know, I sat in that chair, and my grandsons came and gathered around me. Um, and the moment was not lost on me of seasons and transitions, and when things change. And um, you know, Christmas, we have markers. There are things that remind us of loss. There are things that remind us of great joy and maybe uh, wonderful times. And and. Christmas, Thanksgiving can be times when we celebrate uh, new members of the family or, or, again, we mourn the loss of some uh, family member. Um, you know, even like trees and, and all of this, this, this uh, these are markers of sorts. We kind of hijack these, you know, Christianity kind of hijacked them. I like that because it's like music. I want to hijack every bit of the music I can for Jesus, you know. And so it's like these are reminders to me of growing up and and. Uh, in the home, the, the smell, of course, I don't think that's real, but, uh, you know, that spruce, if you had a spruce, all of those are reminders, and they're markers, and uh, like in my dad, I was, I was sitting in that chair looking in the corner, and I was like, that's where I got my first surfboard, right there, you know, right in front, right where I'm sitting at right now, that Christmas morning, I mean, over 50 years ago, you know, it was, there was my first surfboard sitting right there. Markers along the way that remind us. And let's just be honest that not all of the markers are always that enjoyable at, at Christmas time and at Thanksgiving. For some of us, so I just, I want to say this up front, okay, as we move into this season. And uh, we're going to do something uh, right, out, right out of the gate this morning, kind of, uh, I guess, different for us. And that is, since uh, this was my first Thanksgiving without my dad, I'm going to ask a couple of you guys to come and pray for me this morning. And uh, as we deal with maybe the markers in our life, Thanksgiving, Christmas, times like that, that are not always that joyful. And there are some of us, I know I'm not the only one in here at times, that, uh, that these, these are tough days sometimes when you move through the holidays. And so... I don't want to embarrass anybody. I don't want to, uh, you know, make it awkward. But if there's someone and you're kind of in that place and you would like to stand and have a few people, a couple of people, not a flash mob of people, but 
a couple of people uh, come around you and pray an encouraging word over you this morning. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. You won't be standing alone. Um, and then folks in the church, you're so willing to pray for people. Um, this is not intercessory prayer time. This is time for a very short, encouraging prayer for the person. So um, if that's you, and going through the holidays can be a little difficult for you, if you'd stand with me, we want to just grab a moment of prayer before I move into the, to the sermon. Lord, we thank you for your presence in uh, the good times, the wonderful times, and also, Lord, in times of loss. Jesus, I thank you that we have a Lord, we have a Savior who knows what that's like. And, Lord, that you have been touched with everything that touches our life but sin, but everything else, Lord, you have tasted and you know, and you make intercession for us with the Father. And so today, Lord, I pray that you'd bless your word this morning as we launch into this season, this Christmas season. I ask for you to help me in my weakness, Lord. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes. And Lord, come and do your good work in all of our hearts here in this room, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Hope you did get a copy of the prayer guide and the journal there because this, as we move into the Christmas season, this is also following right along uh, with the Holy Spirit as well because Jesus coming to this earth was absolutely a miraculous move of the Holy Spirit, was it not? I mean, it was God at work uh, in <clears throat> so many different people as we're going to take a look at. And uh, for the past few months, we looked at the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and what that means, and that even when we read the scripture, one of the things we don't want to do is we get so uh, intellectually deep and we get so knowledge and information driven that we lose and or we don't even consider that the one who makes this come alive to us and helps us understand it is the Holy Spirit. That if we do not read this with the help of the Holy Spirit, with his attention and with his leading us and assisting us in it, it just becomes, becomes letters and ink. It, it, there's no power in it outside of the breath of the Holy Spirit upon what he says in this amazing book, but also in life and everything. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit that brings it to life for us. And today we're going to talk about hope. And uh, gosh, you know what? When you, when you lose hope, that is when you're really in trouble. When you lose hope. I heard a, <clears throat> a guy many, many years ago, a guy named Bob Mumford. He, ex he defined hope as the unwavering expectation of good. I thought, man, what a beautiful day. Who doesn't want that, right? Don't you want an unwavering? I'm thinking, I'm believing for good. Good's coming. I'm holding, out for, I'm holding out for it. It's coming. And uh, hope can only become experiential, and that is it can only lift us and do its good work in us through the Holy Spirit, through Him empowering what we've read, what we've heard, what we believe God has said to us and promised to us. It's the Holy Spirit that breathes that 
in us. And so we're going to be over in Luke 2, second chapter. You, if you flip your hand out over or you use the booklet, either one has got the passage of Scripture in it. And uh, I want you guys to read this story with me of an elderly gentleman named Simeon who happens to come in contact with the baby Jesus. So can we put it up there on the screens? Now, can you guys read this? You see it? All right. Here we go. Facebook at home. Live. Same thing. You guys read. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Now. Amen. Lord bless the reading of your word this morning. The guy that wrote this particular gospel, Luke, borrowed from probably the gospel of Mark a good bit. Luke was a well-educated, the guy that writing this, a well-educated Greek speaker, probably a Gentile, probably not a Jew, though he knew the Old Testament very well and was able to speak to it. He saw Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. There was no doubt in his mind and in the way that he has penned uh, his report and uh, he believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of David and his kingdom whereas that kingdom kind of failed if you know the story in a way uh, Jesus came and fulfilled that beautiful kingship role that God had always promised to the earth now there's some tales about Luke I like to, to read maybe the, like, not out of the scripture, but other historians and stories. of. And there is a, some believe he was a Syrian physician by profession. And he traveled with Paul because, see, Luke wrote the book of Acts as well. And once you get into the book of Acts, you see a lot of Paul. So kind of draw the conclusion that Luke knew him pretty well, probably traveled with him, was a, a real support to Paul. This, uh, Story goes that Luke was single. He never married. He never had any children. He was filled with the Spirit throughout his life and that he lived to be 84 years old. That's a pretty ripe old age in any, right? In any era. But that's just, these are like tales. We don't know this, but kind of puts flesh and bones on it a little bit, doesn't it? Kind of brings you into the moment a bit. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts makes up 28% of the New Testament. That's a large portion. So kind of incumbent of us to read, right? 
If it made up that much of the Bible, I think we all probably ought to read it, being that there's more than a quarter of it, right? So kind of an emphasis on the, on the majority or the largest portion of Scripture written by one person. It was Luke. Probably written around 80, 90 A.D., somewhere along in there. We have Simeon, this older guy who comes on the scene. He's been hanging out in the temple. And uh, we don't know how old Simeon is. I, you know, we, we just know he's old. And uh, how old, not sure. But when I was reading about Simeon, I couldn't help but think of my dad because my dad kept telling me, I don't know why God's left me around here for so long. He kept telling me that, you know. I'm like, well, Dad, you know, he's obviously got you here for a purpose and a reason. Now, this Simeon was somewhat the same way. Except he knew, he understood why he, why he was there. God had kept him around in order for him to see the Messiah. He had a promise placed in his life early on, I don't know how long, but some time back, that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And uh, so, though he had never seen him, though he had never experienced it, Simeon held on to that hope, that promise that God had given him. Any of you indeed was maybe 80 years old or ever how old, you know, have you ever lived with hope for a long time? Because hope is something that hasn't been satisfied yet, right? Because if you've experienced it, it's reality. Hope is something you don't have yet. But it's something that's promised that you feel like's coming. And so you like hold on to it and you're excited about it. And you're like, that's coming one day. That's coming one day. And so it allows you to get one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. And Simeon, that's what he did. One foot in front of the other. All these years. Now it says the consolation of Israel. I'm just kind of laying some groundwork here. When he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Consolation is another word for comfort. He's describing the Messiah. After all these years, finally, the Messiah would come. It's been 400 years from the last word from God in the Old Testament until we get to the New Testament. It's been a very quiet time. But Simeon's been promised. You're not going to die, Simeon, until you see him, until you lay your eyes on him. And that changes everything. So Simeon goes up to the temple. Tells us the Holy Spirit moved him there. Called him there. Obviously he was in the court. The outer court or the court of the women. Because women could not go into the center part of the temple. He saw Mary. He saw Joseph. And he saw the baby in her arms. She was there for the purification. Rites and, and maybe dedication as well. The baby's six weeks old. Jesus is six weeks old in his mom's arms. And the old man Simeon turns and looks and he sees him. And he realizes, this is it. This is what I've been holding on to for all of these years. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been ever held on and you think, I don't know if I can hold on much longer? Like, I can't hold on to the hope. I can't, like, something's got to give. Yeah. I think Simeon is a, a beautiful example of that longevity of confidence in what God has said God will do. And so now it's finally here. It's in the moment. Now Mary and Joseph are there and they've, they've got to bring a sacrifice that probably was a lamb and a dove. If you're poor, you, could only, you only had to bring two doves. 
not a lamb and a dove. They're there to make sacrifices, uh, to do what's called of them for their faith at that time. And, and Simeon sees them and he rushes to them. And at that moment, all the hope that he had has been satisfied in that moment. Now, what can we take away from Simeon? First thing in your feeling, if you want to follow along with me, is this. You can have hope while you wait. Matter of fact, if you don't have hope while you wait, it, it can be a pretty miserable existence. You can have hope while you wait. You do not have to live life without there being a sense that something good will come. Something good will come. In Luke 2.25, it says, He was waiting for the consolation. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel. In other words, Israel would finally get their Messiah. And then he lays it out like many of Israel are not going to accept him, but some will. Rise the fall. Mary going to get great joy, but she's going to see her own son crucified. So there's going to be a sword placed in her life too, pain in her life to come. He lays it all out. It, it is the prophecies that have been foretold for hundreds and hundreds of years prior. This is what's happening. And when his duty is done, he's ready to go. That's a pretty good way to live life, don't you think? Like, Lord, if you could just do what you want to do in my life and whatever I've been called to do, just let me finish the race. Let me get to the end of it and I'm good. There was an old, uh, wait, wait, I don't know how old he was, but uh, this guy from Germany, Count von Zinzendorf. Isn't that a great name? Why don't we call our kids Zinzendorf anymore? I don't know. <laughs> Count Zinzendorf. And he had this saying in his life, preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. You won't hear many preachers preach that nowadays. <laughs> preach the gospel, die and be forgotten. In other words, Zinzendorf's whole drive in his life was to get the gospel into others. And he created this amazing community in Germany where the Holy Spirit was allowed to come. And it was just it's a great another read if you want to look it up and check it out. But that was Zinzendorf's thing. He would just preach the gospel, preach the gospel. I don't really care about afterwards. But this is what I'm called to do. And when it's done, I'm done. It's okay. Simeon is a prime example of being able to hold on to something even when it goes on and on and on. Dear friend, if you have been going on and on and you're like, I don't know when I'm going to get the hope that I have satisfied. Hold on. Keep the hope there deep within your heart and Christ coming satisfied the hope of this world it's what the world was looking for Israel was looking for and they still missed it still missed it but so many of us in this room and so many millions and millions of people since then have seen it and indeed he's become the, our consolation our comfort but Simeon did not let go and he had been waiting a very long time Simeon is a Beautiful picture of being able to wait and still maintain hope, to not let go of it. I mean, what's in your vision? You know, I want to say this too, to those of us who may be a little older. Uh, yeah. Simeon never let go of what he was called to do until he had done it. And some of us in maybe in this room are kind of like losing a little hope of like, I don't know if God will even use me anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm 
Maybe I'm just not, you know, what God can. I just might as well just bide my time, you know, until, until he takes me home. Hallelujah. No, you know, you, God has something for you. Don't lose hope that the Lord of all has placed inside of you a great treasure that needs to be given away. I mean, what's your vision for ever how long we have? And honestly, none of us know how long we have. I mean, that's just the honest truth of it. And I kept telling my dad that all the time. Dad, we don't know. Tomorrow could be mine. You know, I know, but I'm 95. I'm like, true. That's up there. That's right. Yeah. There's more of it gone than is ahead, no doubt about that. Um, you know, but, but hey, each day, each moment has its own place for hope. Each day has its own opportunities. Each day has people who come through our lives who are waiting maybe for someone to walk over to them and give them some small seed of hope for their life or some encouragement or... And if we've learned anything through this whole, this past months and months of looking at the Holy Spirit, it's that if we make ourselves available to him, he will certainly point out what he's doing in others so we can join him. And that knows no age, just like Simeon. I mean, here is, we, he made it into the book, folks. He made it in here. He and Anna, and I'm not even going to talk about her, but there were two elderly people in here who made it into the book early on. Early on in the story of Jesus is a part of a declaration that indeed Christ has come. And so, yeah, I want to challenge you wherever you are, and, and, and especially maybe if you're a little bit older, whatever that means. Um, you know, wherever you think, you know, like I talked to 30 years old, 30 year olds, I'm so old now. It's like I was paddling in the water one day out here surfing, and I passed this friend of mine young guy and he turns he says i don't know tim man i'm just getting too young he's like 30 i'm just getting too old for this you know i'm just hurting i just getting too old for this and i stopped and i just went <laughs> and he goes okay talk to the wrong person and just kind of pat him off but it is relative in some ways we all get tired we all feel like we have lost maybe that sense of being pulled along into something much grander than we are ourselves and on our own. And I tell you, as a follower of Jesus, each of us, there is no end to that until there's an end to that. And so, dear friend, if you think you're like maybe out on the vast 40-acre range somewhere out, they put you out the pasture, don't go there, all right? Trot right back to the house. <laughs> And began to pray and say, Lord, where is there someone that I can bless their life? Help me step into the next part of giving away the hope that has been invested in my life. Because there are so many people out there just waiting on someone to come alongside them. I mean, I've told you some of the people that God placed in my life when I was a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 30-year-old. It seems like God just dropped people in my life. It just, And they were all at least 20 years older than me every time. At least. And so all of you guys, with all of your vast experience and your working through loss and working through gain and pain and happiness and all of that, all of that is a treasure to be given away to others to help them sustain and to hang on to their hope. And so don't, 
And don't don't eliminate yourself. Don't do that. I mean, ask, you know, ask the Lord to point out how, who can I serve? Who can I mentor? Who can I disciple? Who can I go pray for? Who can I go give a word of encouragement to? Who can I lead? Who can I help? How? You know, we can always have hope that there is something next for us. Always. So we can have hope while we wait in that moment that there is something coming. Something coming. There's a guy named Walter Sizzik. I'm revisiting another book about a Roman Catholic priest who went into the Russia, right when the Russians, uh, back in the 40s, and, and it was horrible. He went in to share Jesus. He got arrested. He got thrown in a gulag for almost 30, 40 years. People thought he was dead. You know what his hope was? His hope was to be able to share Jesus and communion with just one prisoner for all those decades. And he talks about having a, like, 30-second retreat. In the mines, in the coal mines and all. And he was in there working so hard. He would slide into a little alcove. And he would take a piece of bread that he had saved. And some water that he had saved. And as, as all the prisoners would come by, they would step in to Walter. And Walter would take a 30 second retreat. And he would pray over them and serve them communion with that water and that little piece of bread. And he said, when he was finally released, all these decades and decades later, he said, I'm exactly where I should have been. Right where I was to bring hope to those prisoners. So listen, dear one, don't don't take yourself out of the race. Don't do it. Ask ask the Lord to show you, because you can have hope while we wait. You can be a blessing where you are. Secondly, we can have hope because of the Holy Spirit. Look at Luke 25 through 26. Look, three times the Holy Spirit's mentioned here, right? And the Holy Spirit was what? On him. It had been revealed. The Holy Spirit had been revealed. or It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And then it, it says he was moved by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that process? The Holy Spirit was on him. He recognized that God was moving in him. That was his moment. He'd been waiting a very, very long time. But he still had hope. And now the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was with him. It had been revealed by the Holy Spirit. And now the Holy Spirit was moving him. That's our next step. We have hope while we wait. But we need to be surrendering to the Holy Spirit and going, Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me. Move on me. Show me. Help me. We can have hope because the Holy Spirit lives within us. I mean, at some stage of your life, whether it's age or some redundancy moment or some moment when you feel you're not of value to anyone, do you really think the Holy Spirit goes, oh, man, he's, he's out of it. I can't help him. <laughs> yeah, I might as well go over here and sit down and wait till Jesus comes. Okay, let me just sit over here. Let me wait. Do you really think that's what the very presence of God is doing inside of us at any moment? Because I got news for you. He doesn't age. He doesn't age. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just Jesus is, so is the Spirit living in you. He can move you. He can reveal to you. He can speak to you in the moment just as well, just as clear, just as powerfully as he did when you were younger or when things were better, when things weren't so cluttered in your life or when 
There was more going on. He can still. He's the same Holy Spirit. He's got the same mission in mind. He's wanting to do the same things that he's always done. And he wants to do them to you. We can have hope because the Holy Spirit is alive in us. He is with us. You know, we don't want to wait. And, you know, we don't want to wait till the last few days of our life to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's what this booklet's about. It will help you be able to recognize the Holy Spirit moving in you. And, you know, let's take care of things early on in our lives so the Holy Spirit, we can recognize him speaking to us, moving us. Where there is sin in our life, confess it quickly. Deal with it. Take it to the Father. Confess it. And say, Lord, here it is. You said if I confess my sins, you're faithful and you're righteous to forgive us. You have my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. You'll do that. Take care of that so there's nothing blocking my ears, you know, of hearing what the Holy Spirit is doing. Take care of it quickly. And then have some time to listen as you read the scripture. As you pray, find a quiet time. Push out all the sounds around you for a few moments and learn to cultivate a listening ear from the Holy Spirit. Now, do it now because he's, he's in you. He's with you. He'll move on you. He'll move you. He'll speak to you. Let's get, get our ears opened up of our hearts so we can hear him. Develop our relationship. The Spirit was on him. That literally means the Spirit was in him. It was in him. It was around him. He knew the presence of the Lord was with him. It was revealed. That means that he didn't make this up in his mind, the promise that God had given him that kept this hope alive in him, that he would see the Savior one day. That is something the Holy Spirit revealed to him. Let me ask you this. How many people in here have had God reveal something to you that did come true? All right, stick your hands way up because I want people to see this that have not experienced this. You see? Now, that's a pretty good group right there. God still speaks. He still confirms. And so don't be shy. Develop the relationship with the Holy Spirit where you can hear. And again, I'm going to push writing it down. Guys... I know we men, journaling, I don't do journal, man. You know, whatever. You write it down. Write it down so you can go back to it. This is where I prayed for my child. This is where I prayed for my friend. This is where I prayed for this situation. Write the date down and keep praying for it. And then go back when it's answered and write down, answered. Because it's in those times when you feel like hope is slipping that you go back and you look at those. You go, yep, bang. Bang, bang, bang. Yep, yep, yep. Deal with sin quickly. Look, the Holy Spirit come on you and reveal things to you. Moved by the Holy Spirit. I love that because that means, you know, like you're, yeah, sorry. Uh, but you know, you say, oh, man, I wish God would move me. I wish God would do something in me. And you feel yourself like, go here, go there. Honestly, it does happen like this. It really does happen like this. It really truly happens when you feel this sense of go there. Go position yourself there. Just go there. Just go and sit. I don't know how, you know, how many times I've just, uh, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's God. I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. It's simple as letting him move you to a place 
of being able to be a blessing to others. Moved, and that's what Simeon, he went to the temple that day because God moved him there. If he had not responded to the Holy Spirit, he would have missed it. The Holy Spirit moved him into that position. God is still very strategic with what he does. And he will move you. He will move me. He'll put us in places where others need to hear the gospel or get an encouragement or get a prayer. He's still doing that. And so um, we can have hope because the Holy Spirit is still moving. <laughs> I just had this thought that well, as we get older, that we think the Holy Spirit's getting older. It's like, he goes, oh, you know, we're like, man, I don't know if I can go there today. And Holy Spirit goes, yeah, I know I'm feeling the same thing. I, I just don't know if I can make it, man. Uh, man, I better go get that quarter steroid shot. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Holy Spirit, yeah, I need one too. Nice. No, we, 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 we don't realize that, you know, the, the very presence, the eternal power and youthfulness and vigor of the Holy Spirit can empower these lives. Matter of fact, this body that's kind of dying steadily is going to be one day quickened. One day it's going to be reconstituted into this amazing character. Probably similar to what we see Jesus after the resurrection. Now the same spirit that's going to do that then is living in you now. So I can get up and I can go wherever God tells me to go, right? The Holy Spirit moves us. We can have hope because the Holy Spirit is in us. He moves on us. He reveals things to us and he motivates us. I read this in one of the commentaries. I thought this was so good. Hope is always joined to a ministry or excuse me, to a memory. Hope is always joined to a memory. So what you do is, that's why I'm telling you about these journals and things, or writing them on your phone or somewhere. Write down what God has done in your life because hope can come from it. As you've seen God move in your life, answer prayers. Go back to it again and again and again because that's what in the New Testament they were doing for the Old Testament. Messiah was promised. We have all these shadows and all these types through the whole Old Testament and now here it is. Jesus is here, the Messiah, finally. We can have hope because of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, we can have hope because of assurance. That song, Blessed Assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We can have hope because of assurance. Luke 2.26, that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Dear follower of Jesus... You can say this, I will not die until I fulfill every part of what God has for me. That way when it does happen, you can go, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Assurance. I uh, was praying with a fellow pastor that started a wonderful church over in Conway and he was he was dying and I, you know, he's younger than, than I was. And I went in to see him and I was like, man, I'm praying for you. You know, I'm praying you're going to get out of here. And he just looked at me and went, whatever. <laughs> he's like, you know what? When I'm done and God's done, I'm good. If this is it, I'm good. I'm good. I thought, wow, 
I can have hope because I'm assured that if I keep walking this way and following him and being moved by him and on, that my life, your life, ever how much we have, will not be wasted. It will be spent in the way that God always intended. Simeon says, now that he'd seen Jesus, he's at peace. I'm good. Just like my friend said to me, I'm good. I've seen Jesus. I've seen him. I've done what I was called to do. I'm good. If this is it, I'm good. I'm ready. You know, and that's like Philippians 4.11 that says, for I've learned, Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself in. That can only come through a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. We can have hope because we are promised that no one, these are Jesus' words, no one can take us out of his hand. You know that? No one's going to rob you and take you away from him. We're the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. No one can separate us from the love of God. And if you read that list, believe me, you haven't gone through what's on that list. <laughs> None of that can separate us. He is with us always, even until the end of the earth. Always. Via the Holy Spirit. And this Christmas at this time, what a beautiful way to be able to surrender our lives to Christ anew at Christmas to say, Lord, bring your hope to me. Because you are the hope of glory, Lord. You are that great expectation of good, Jesus. You are it for us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word today. And I do pray now that if there's anyone in this room that does not know you as the hope of life, of the future, of the present, for meaning, that Lord, even now, that just enough faith, God, has been dropped into their heart to say, I believe. Right now, Lord, come and bring your presence. And surrender and say to the King of hope, Yes, Jesus, I believe. I believe I'll follow you. I'll take that next step away from this life and toward your life now. I'll take that step. Just say yes to the Lord. Say it to him now as he calls you and as he woos you. Trust him for the next step. All you have to do is take one step. He'll take care of the second step. You take the one step. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.